let's get information. I slay. Okay, ladies, now let's get information. Hey, hey, welcome to the Bad Machine Podcast. It's a nice to hear you know we're having crazy conversations about love, sex, and everything in between. And tonight, we have on Dr. Lindasa. How are you, Dr. Lindasa? some articles popping up and I just mm-hmm. wanted to bring you on to discuss, you know, all these things that we don't typically, you know, talk about and say when it comes to HIV, especially now in 2018. Yes, yes, yes. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being on. So before we jump into things, Dr. Wendasha, tell us about yourself. Tell us who you are, where you come from, and what do you do? Okay, so I love to start Every introduction I give off by saying I am from Florida. So, yes, I was born and raised <laughs> in Florida. Um, not Miami, though. Like, <laughs> from Miami, no. I'm from Tallahassee, Florida. Okay. And for those who don't know about Tallahassee, think of Florida State, Seminoles, uh, FAMU. That's where Tallahassee is. So yes. that's why I'm born and raised. And um, so I really have a background. My background is actually in journalism and communication. So that's what I went to school for um, originally. Yes. So, um, yes, I went for, I got my degree in journalism at University of Central Florida. Yes, go Knights. We're undefeated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I got my master's at Morgan State in communication. Ow. And so, yes, and I thought I was going to be a lawyer and all of that stuff, but that didn't work out. So... <laughs> I'm not going to say it didn't work out, but I just changed my mind because I've been doing um, sexuality education, HIV AIDS education work since I was 16 years old. Mm. So I've been doing this thing for almost 15 years now, which is surprising to even think about it because I feel old now. Right. But um, (laughs) so what really sparked what I do now is my time at Morgan State where I was working with the students there doing HIV AIDS education, doing sexuality education. education with them there and then I went on to get my PhD in public health because I was like this is what I want to do yes this is the work that I enjoy so I went and got my PhD at um University of North Carolina at Greensboro yes and um yes so I was in North Carolina and then from there I moved down to Atlanta and I did a fellowship at the CDC, so I was in their division of STD prevention. So I was doing STD HIV work there, and now I'm at the Georgia Health Policy Center. And I do what we call, I evaluate programs to make sure that they're working how they say they should be working. But that's my day job. Come on. One stuff I do is with my side hustle. <laughs> I'm actually trying to build my um, sexuality education um, brand. Like, this is what I really like to do. Yes. I like being real, um, giving people real answers to real questions that they have. And that's something I know I can't do in my day job right now. So I'm always on Instagram, social media, throwing out those little sexuality gems and nuggets to people yes. um, so that we can have safe, happy sex yes and live our best sexual lives come on now that's what i'm all about so yeah (laughs) yes i am all about that 
So I think it's so interesting. One, we have a lot of similarities that we, of course, just found out about going to Morgan State, doing Mm -hmm. the sex ed thing. But also the HIV, the HIV thing, I think that HIV education is what really got me into the field. And like, you know, a few days ago, just a few days ago on Saturday, we had World AIDS Day. And I get like Mm -hmm. super sentimental around World AIDS Day because I'm like, damn, you know, we're still talking about this, of course. But, you know, of course, like all the feelings of like jumping into the field, but also the feelings of like we are still talking about this shit. Like we are really still fighting and coming up, you know, you know, we got prep. We got all these different things that are out now that are lifesavers. But then the other part of me is like, man, I hope one day we just don't have to talk about, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't have to make this a thing or like we finally eradicated and And so all those feelings come up for me when I'm talking, thinking about, you know, World AIDS Day. But on your post a few days ago, I realized that there was an article (laughs) that came out. And, you know, it's funny because before we jumped on, I was like, all right, let me do some research. But the article that you posted, an article that I've been seeing circulating has been around doctors say that Atlanta residents should take daily medication to prevent AIDS. Mm-hmm. And then another article that had been seen circulating is basically how Atlanta is like an African nation when it comes to the rate of AIDS. So mm-hmm. there's so much there. So tell me about your thoughts on the article that you posted. The doctors are basically saying that everybody in Atlanta better start getting on their, on their AIDS meds. Okay. Um, Honestly and truthfully, it, I think it's quite absurd. It's just absurd. It's, it's not something... I'm not a big fan of scare tactics mm. or mm-hmm. using fear in order to get people to do something. And that's how I really felt when I first saw the headline. And then when I really um, really um, listened to the story, because it was actually a news story running on the news, um, I was like, hey... Are you not saying that Atlanta residents need to do this? Are you saying the black residents need to do this? Because it really was that focus. Because you had a black woman who was being interviewed who is living with HIV. Um, She was infected by her partner Mm. of nine years. And then you had a black doctor come on. And I was like, okay, so what are are we really saying here? Mm. And, like, I would like to put the disclaimer out there. I am supportive of PrEP. I think PrEP is amazing, and it is saving lives. Um, It is the most powerful tool that we probably have right now um, at preventing HIV, right? But it's not like birth control. I'm not sitting up here saying every person out there who is having sex, or we should not be saying that every person out here who is having sex needs to go on PrEP. That is not the message that you want to send. And um, doctors who are prescribing PrEP, there are actual guidelines that they go by in order to assess your risk right? to make sure that this is something that you need to get on or this this is something that can benefit you um, in helping you stay HIV negative. Mm -hmm. So it's prep is a very like nuanced thing. So the conversation about who should be on it, when they should get on it, um, if they're really at risk, those are things that we really have to um, think about instead of saying, okay, yes, if you're black, in um, Atlanta and you're just having sex with a person, you might need to go get on press. Like, <laughs> no, that is 
so I, I think that they were trying to really have a call to action, but it wasn't really, it wasn't thought out. It wasn't well thought out how they went about doing it. That's, Absolutely. That was really what my um, issue was mm-hmm. with that article. Because a lot of people started asking me, like, so is this something that I probably should go get on? Is like, me and my boyfriend, we have sex sometimes without a condom. Should he get on prep? Should I get on prep? Mm. It's, <laughs> right. It's, I, it's not something that people should just be running to the doctor, especially if they are not engaging in high-risk sexual mm-hmm. um, relationships. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, like, there's, like, this whole list of guidelines that doctors go by when um, they're seeking to, or the person comes to them seeking to get on prep. Right. So, yeah. But you should talk to your doctor about your sex life. If you have any questions about what you're doing sexually, you could talk to your doctor and start that conversation about prep. But I don't think that there should be a long line at your doctor's office or at the clinic of people signing up to get on prep. So Um, before we jump into that further, we just jumped right into prep. What is prep? So prep is um, pre-exposure prophylactics. There you go. So basically it's a medication that individuals can take to help prevent them from um, contracting HIV. So it's been found to be effective um, to reduce the person's risk of contracting HIV by over 90%. And so it's a very powerful drug. It's a very effective drug when taken daily and taken consistently how it's supposed to be taken, right? right. So it's not, oh, I take a pill today, then I skip two days, <laughs> take another right. one, then take another. So it's, if it's taken consistently, it's very, very, very powerful. Right. And it's really, um, this drug really has changed the game for a lot of gay men, bisexual men, same gender loving men, men who like to have sex with men sometimes. Like, it really has changed the game for that population because they um, really are hit hard by this epidemic. So PrEP is almost like a miracle drug, right, Mm -hmm. Um, that we've been waiting a long time for in the absence of a cure or vaccine. So that's really what PrEP is. So it's that daily medication. It's kind of like birth control, like how a person takes birth control daily, appeal daily to prevent from getting pregnant prep is the same way so you take that every day to lower your risk of getting hiv yeah definitely and the thing to add about prep like you're saying and this is why i think the severity of like thinking about how we're using prep and our commitment to it is just like you have to take it every single day you also have to be committed to going to the doctor and just making yes. sure that you're still fine, that there's no uh, yes. damage on your liver, because when you are taking um, powerful drugs, there there can be effects. And so we've got to make sure that we are following up, that we are going to the doctor, mm-hmm. and that we are committed to a regimen, because this is yes. this is serious. Like, it's great, but you all, we're also doing this because we're taking care of ourselves. So, yes. 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 Absolutely. You brought up a great point. So, yes, it's not just simply going to the doctor saying, I want to get on PrEP and get handed a prescription. So before you go, you get tested for um, HIV to make sure that you are HIV negative. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, you um, more than likely will get tested for other STDs. Um, You will get um, a counseling session of some sort from Mm -hmm. your doctor. So your doctor will ask you some questions. So... Um, do you sleep with people of the same gender? Do you both sleep with people of the opposite gender? Um, do you 
take drugs? Are you an injection drug user? Yeah. Um, how many times in the past three months or six months have you had sex unprotected? Right. Um, are you in an abusive relationship? So they ask a lot of those questions to try to really drill down to see if you are really a good candidate for PrEP. Right, right. right. And so they ask you about, you know, the types of sex you have also. So do you engage in anal sex, unprotected anal sex, unprotected vaginal sex? How often um, do you have partners who may be HIV positive or partners that you don't know their status? So they ask a lot of those questions to make sure that you are a good candidate. And also they'll go through that process, like you said, of um, like testing and making sure that you know how prep should be taken right. and so once you take it you do go back to the doctor for follow-up appointments to, to, uh, to continue to get HIV tests to make sure that you are um, negative right. right so right. it's not just to take a pill every day and forget it <laughs> right. you're still expected to use, yeah you're still expected to use condoms right right because it does not protect from other STDs. So, That's yes, you right. can be on PrEP and still get chlamydia, gonorrhea, That's right. syphilis. True. You can be on PrEP and still get pregnant. True, true, so true. <laughs> you still should be using, yes, you still should be using condoms. But PrEP is just really that safety net. Yeah, And so, definitely. like I said, it's, it's saving lives. Like, it really, to my, yeah. um, to my people in the LGBTQ community, like my folks there, it really is saving lives. Definitely. And it has transformed a lot of things. Definitely. So, yes. And some studies that I've seen where they've studied men who have sex with men, they've cut their risk down by 73%, for some 92%, yes. like you were saying. And in studies where they were looking at uh, men and women in couples, what they were finding was that, and in the, in this second study, what they found was that if one person had HIV and then the other person did not ha- have HIV, um, they call that an HIV discordant couples for those out there. Mm-hmm. Um, they found that we that the other person was 75% less likely to become infected. And by for some people, yes. up to 90%. So it's for mm-hmm. everybody. It's for folks who are yes. engaging in all different types of relationships. But the thing I also hear in what you're saying, which I think is so important, is that stigma part which is what we are always working against, like making sure that people feel like they can go say that they're on PrEP without feeling judged or go get PrEP and also feel empowered to get PrEP because something that I always tell my workshop participants is if you feel like your doctor is disrespecting you in that they are not listening or you're saying that Mm -hmm. you need something or you feel like this would be a good thing for your health regimen, and that you're willing to do the work, you're willing to, you know, come and get all your visits, and they're still looking at you like, mm, well, you don't seem like you're at ha- at high risk, which is stuff that I get all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I always tell my, oh, you yeah. know, my workshop participants, like, whenever I'm talking to people about, like, going to the doctor, like, if your doctor is not listening to your needs, it's time to fire that doctor. You've got to get a new doctor, because that doctor is yeah. putting you... Yeah in harm's way. And I know the last time, just literally a few months ago, I went to the doctor and I asked for HIV test and he looked at me and was like, but you're married. And I was like, what, 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 and you know, exactly. Like I'm telling you, this is what I need. And you're questioning my motive. You're questioning my relationship status. And so I can imagine so many people who might go and get prep and the doctor might look at you and be like, 
well, you're not this or you're not that or you're a woman or you don't have sex, like whatever it is. And so, again, I'm just big into like the advocacy. And I just love how you brought up the stigma part at the beginning, because it's just it's it's either we're on like one end of the spectrum where it's like everyone go get prep. And then you're at the other end of the spectrum where it's like, nah, well, you don't really need prep. And so I feel like there's like a meeting in the middle that really needs to happen here. Yeah, so every doctor is not sex positive. Okay. Every doctor is not LGBTQ friendly. <laughs> right. You know, and every doctor is not an anti-racist um, advocate. Like, so, yes, you have to find a healthcare provider that really does suit your needs. And you did bring a good point that, especially when it comes to women. So men who have sex with men or gay men, bisexual men, however they choose to identify, um, in some places, they can go and find a, a LGBTQ-friendly doctor and get on PrEP and not have to face those questions, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Even though some of them are still facing barriers because if you're in rural areas, you may have doctors who never even heard of PrEP. But when we think of that population, we think of, oh, they're engaging in high-risk sex and the HIV AIDS epidemic started with them. So, yes, they need to be on PrEP, right? So we think about... Like, a lot of us think about it that way, thinking that PrEP is really only for gay men, right? But it's not. And if, you're, if you are a woman or identifying as a woman and you go to the doctor and you, you know, ask for PrEP, like, doctors take pause, especially like, okay, you're married or you're in a relationship, right? But they don't really ask the question sometimes, so you're in a relationship or are you in an abusive relationship where your partner may be having sex with other people, mm-hmm. right? Which can so happen to anybody. Right. right. Or are you or are you a woman who engages in sex work? Right. So you may be at increased risk. Right. right? So they're not. Sometimes those questions um, aren't being asked. Right. Right. So that's why some people. So when we think about prep, like that's one thing I really try to combat against that prep is not just for gay men. Yeah. It right. Isn't. Right. It's it's for anybody who is at increased risk for HIV and they want to lower their risk of getting it. That's yeah. anybody. Male, female, man, woman, gender queer, non binary. <laughs> it's for anyone get it. Trans. Right. It's for anyone who is at high risk and wants to reduce their um um wants to reduce their chance of getting HIV. Right. Yes, everyone. Definitely. Definitely. So you being in Atlanta, how do you feel or how do you feel about the narrative around Atlanta's rates of HIV reflecting those mm-hmm. of Africa or countries in Africa? Sub-Saharan <laughs> Africa, yes. Girl. Okay, so <laughs> I can't so this, is, so this really gets to my point. So this is really I get to my point also about the about it, the narrative around it being stigmatizing, right? So we have all these reports about Atlanta having high rates, highest rates of HIV, mm-hmm. right? Georgia in general has um, is leading the nation in when it comes to HIV, right? And so that is true. The statistics are there. That is true. So the latest statistics say about a little bit over 35,000 people um, are living with HIV in Atlanta, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, yes. There is a problem here. Right. I am not going to sit up here and say that there is not. That would be very dumb of me to even think that it's not a not an issue. And so 
a lot of this epi- the epidemic is really impacting yes black people in Atlanta and also my LGBTQ folks, especially um, gay men, bisexual men. Mm-hmm. So the epidemic is really impacting them and hitting them hard, hitting us hard because we're all a community, right? And so, but when I say our conversations around prep and like the targeting of prep to certain communities, like okay, black communities. Um, the LGBTQ community, a lot of times when we're talking about that thing that they need to get on PrEP, we make HIV AIDS the issue of behavior. Mm. So you make okay, it come on, like Doc. Tell us, Doc. HIV is really just about behavior. So if you are out here having, quote, unquote, high-risk sex or unprotected sex, y'all just need to go get on the pill so the HIV rates will go down and we can just live our lives and not have to worry about it no more. Mm. No, no, there is no pill. There is no medicine that is going to end this epidemic until we really address the racist classes system that we are living in. Oh, okay. Right? So you were going to go there tonight. So, okay. I'm ready. Yeah. We, we go there. So I'm, ready. Go there I'm ready. I'm ready. HIV <laughs> when it comes to, yes, because it's not just about behavior. Yeah. It's really not just about behavior because black people are um, not having more riskier sex than Come white on. people. Right, right. right. Statistics show that. Studies show that. We're not out here just busting it wide open <laughs> in and everywhere with anybody. Like, no, right? We are engaging in similar activities as our white counterparts. However, mm-hmm. we're more impacted by this epidemic because there are social factors that we're going through, like poverty. Mm-hmm. Like, I tell people all the time, poverty and homelessness, don't let love and hip-hop Atlanta, the real housewives of Atlanta fool y'all, mm. right? Everybody in Atlanta is not living some glamorous life, driving BMWs, Mercedes-Benzes, walking around in Christian Louboutin shoes <laughs> and living the great life. No, we have a homeless problem right. here in Atlanta, right? We have a poverty problem here in Atlanta. In Georgia, in Atlanta, or in Georgia broadly, and specifically in Atlanta, we have a lot of people here who lack health insurance. Right. Right. So we have a jacked up transportation system. So even if we're saying that people need to get on prep, if they're homeless and if they're like poverty stricken, they're hungry. Are they really worried about going down to the clinic, getting on prep? Right. Or are they worried about where am I going to lay my head tonight? Right. right? How am I going to feed myself? How am I going to feed my kids? Or if they don't lack, if they lack insurance, yeah, you may have some prep clinics here. There are some clinics here that can um, help people access it, but they don't know about that, right? Right. Or they don't have a car to get there. Our public transportation system is horrid, like it is horrid, right? right? So how would they get to that clinic to get that medication? And once they have that medication, if they're homeless, where are they going to store it? Uh-oh. Right? Right. So it's, it's like multi-level problems. It's just like people that people are just not I'm not even hitting on right. <laughs> all of the issues and then like especially for women we have a, a gender ratio imbalance so mm-hmm. you have more women than you have men because men a lot of times black men due to our healthcare system and other factors tend to be in poor health they tend to die earlier um, they tend to enter into the um, criminal justice system so the prison system so you have a lot of women who are seeking viable partners are, um, I guess, great or good partners to partner with, and their selection is skewed, right? Mm. So when you have a high rate of HIV in a population and you have these issues, you just have more of in the population, whoever you have sex with, you, you might be more likely to come across HIV. 
but it's not just the behavior. It's it's more like the problems are just bigger. And so I know I probably sound like I'm rambling. No, 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 no. I, I just want I want people to know that HIV is bigger than the behavior. So it's, it's not just telling people to get on prep, use some condoms, and try not to treat somebody who don't have HIV. Right. That's not going to end the epidemic. We have to address a lot of these other factors that people are facing in Atlanta. Absolutely. And so, so yeah, like, so the problem is bad, but like I said, a pill is not what's going to really solve the problem. Right. It's a great solution, but it's not going to solve this problem. Right. Completely. And like you said, I, I want to hit on a couple of things that you said too, because one, of course, I just love how you said it is not just a behavior problem because I think, because I think we are still in 2018 and there is still stigmatizing some of that stigmatizing attitude and also just lack of education, which I go into classrooms almost every single day. And mm-hmm. it, it's, 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 <laughs> I think because I've been immersed in this since I was in college, I'm just kind of like, Oh, this makes sense. Everybody knows this, mm-hmm. but I'll be in classrooms yes. and I'll be teaching, you know, all ages. And it does, if I'm, if I'm in the classroom with like high schoolers or middle schoolers and we're talking about STIs and we're talking about HIV and I talk about like, all right, what are the four bodily fluids that spread HIV or STIs? Mm-hmm. You know, you will always, I can, I can't even count on my hands anymore. How many times a teacher or teacher in the room will pipe up and be like saliva? Nah. Oh yeah. You'll have people who'll say like, oh, using the toilet after somebody. Like we still have those narratives. And even like this Saturday we did a, um, uh, thing for uh, World AIDS Day and same question and people of all generations were like what you mean spit doesn't spread HIV and I'm like well we've been in a lot of trouble right like a lot lot of trouble because people kiss all the time like Fine, like yeah. we really have to break this thing down and really think about this a- absolutely not and so I think that the the besides the racism which I feel like we are barely scratching the surface on which, and we are barely talking about. Yes. And when we're talking about racism, I think just to highlight the point that you're saying as well, it is the racism and the biases of clinicians and providers. It is the mm-hmm. racism of our different healthcare systems. It is literally the racism in trying to access care, you know? And so yeah. I think that, you know, we see people as like, oh, we can, we have all these options for insurance and all these options for X, Y, and Z, but yes. sure, you may have insurance, but then you get in front of a person who doesn't think based on how you look or carry yourself, you're not at quote risk or, risk. Yeah. oh, you're married. That's what's going to protect you or whatever other things that is going on. And so we have the lack of education, so therefore people aren't getting the information, and then people can't even advocate for themselves properly when they get to a provider that's not listening. And then when you're talking about rural areas, we of course know that provider, the number of providers, the yes. diversity of providers, having a provider that may look like you and talk with you in a way that you understand, I feel like goes out completely out the window. So I could be telling you all about PrEP, yes. all about HIV, all about this stuff, and I may not be even using the words that you may understand. I'm just talking to you in science yeah, speak. Yeah. What good is that going to do for anybody? And so I just love how you elevated, you know, the ra- the racism and the institutionalized racism that and comes in our health system. I would system. even have to say 
in our community just the culture around sex mm. and mm. how we view sex. Come on. And so there's always traditionally been a silence. So this whole idea of respectability policies, respectable black folk don't talk about um, <laughs> sex, right? We, we conduct our way ourselves in a certain way so that we look good, so that we look right, right? Right. So there's this cult of silence around it, right? right. And then if you're anything other than straight, a lot of times in our community, you're definitely not about to come forward, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you're queer, genderqueer, yeah. gay, lesbian, trans, that's not, we can't come forward and have conversations because we tend to be so silent about that. And that's right. where that stigma also comes from. So if we are having issues or if we are having questions about, well, is this a safe act? Can I have anal sex? with a partner who is, you know, HIV positive and I'm negative, like how would PrEP really, you know, impact me, right? Right. So we can't even have those conversations are, like, so when we teach sex ed, even in our communities, we're assuming that all our youth are straight, Mm -hmm. right? So they're not able to raise their hands and say, hey, okay, I understand that we're teaching this lesson on, okay, how STDs are passed between a male and a female, but what if I'm not having sex with a person of the opposite gender? Right. Or what if I'm having sex with a person who's of the same gender? Like, how can I keep myself safe? Right. 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 And so we, we have this silence that we um, also have to deal with. And then, of course, let's not even get in the black church, right? And Uh-oh. sometimes how we have this whole, when I say sometimes, a lot of this whole abstinence <laughs> until marriage. Yeah. So if you're out having sex before marriage and you get HIV or if you get a STD, that's a consequence of your action, right. right? Right. So you have people who cannot ask the questions that they need to ask in order to get the information that can possibly save their lives. Right. And you have um, the issue of people who are HIV positive who are scared to come forward and share their story and ask for the help and the resources that they need because they will be shunned and shamed. I know yeah. some people like, oh, it's 2018, but that doesn't mean anything. You have people who are still getting kicked out of their homes because they're not straight, right? Right. You have family members who cut other family members off because they're HIV positive. You have people who still like, oh, I'm not going to eat off their like eat out off their plate or share utensils. We still have that in 2018. Right. We still have a level of ignorance in our community around HIV. It's gotten better. I'm not going to sit up here and say it was the same as when this um, virus first came on the scene, but we're still facing these issues, right? Right. So it's like I said, this whole issue is multi-level. So that's why I always say like PrEP is great, but, right, but you... not, we have to address <laughs> all these different factors right. before a person can even get to yeah. the point of advocating. Yeah. Like they're advocating for themselves to say, hey, I think this drug can help save my life, Yeah, right? They have to jump through all these other barriers, right? all these other loops in order to even get to that point. Yeah, and I think that, I think I get most offended when, well, one, it's, it's, it's always, like, sensationalized in a headline, like, HIV, you know, Atlanta's HIV rates are that of Mm -hmm. a third world country or that of Mm -hmm. Africa. And it's like, okay, not only you, not only are you stigmatizing like folks or could be stigmatizing folks in Atlanta, right? But Mm -hmm. it's like, just like you're saying, all of these issues and barriers are the same things. Why do you think the people in Africa 
the the collective yes. Africa. You know what I'm saying? Like the collect not not one country, the whole Africa. <laughs> um, those those people are dealing with the same systematic issues that you're dealing with. So yes. like you're saying, like it just it's not about like black to black people, which I which I feel is like the message that that they're trying to say. Like these people are just such savages that they can't even get themselves yes. together. That they're just madly wildly having sex and yes. and it's just like okay, we're never not only like are you, I feel like shutting people off from the big larger conversation about like, like you're saying what the barriers actually are, but now you're stigmatizing a whole other group and a whole continent for, I don't know for what a whole continent and not even really looking at why are we making these parallels? Why do you only care Mm -hmm. about people in the quote full Africa? If, if if it does not have (laughs) anything to do with, you know, something really that uh, something that people may see as stigmatizing and a negative thing. So that just yes. it always rubs me the wrong way. And as a person who has their parents from Haiti, like whenever I see and I'm, the article that's on my screen right now says HIV rates are like that of a third world country. They're always calling Haiti a third world country. So I'm just always like mm. immediately yes. turned off when I see that. Cause I'm like, okay, you don't even, you don't even know, you don't even know what you talk. Ugh. You only know wow, what you're talking about. Go ahead. And I hear people like I, I hear people's um concerns and and I know that people like they just want to bring attention to the problem. So yes, right. we really do need to focus on this issue. We really need to understand the various barriers that people are facing in addition to PrEP. But right. it does not have to be, like you said, it doesn't have to be stigmatizing, right? right? It, it doesn't, it, you shouldn't be scaring people. Like, the scare tactics just don't work, Never. right? Never. They, they just don't work. For example, we know smoking causes lung cancer, but how many people do you still see smoke despite <laughs> those true campaigns <laughs> right, that exactly. show people with the disease lung exactly. and, you know, with the little traits in the throat, mm. you still see, see people smoking, right? Right. So, scare tactics really don't work, especially when we've been hearing this message for a long time about Atlanta and the rates and uh, it's like, okay, so yeah, we get that, but we need to really have real conversations. Like I said, have real conversations because if you look at these articles, it is about behavior. They're always talking about, you know, people having unprotected sex. Okay, yes, we know that having unprotected sex, you know, is what can increase that, but we need to move beyond that. Right. And just not, and don't make it about and like you said, like don't make it about okay, like these black people who are just savages and cannot control their <laughs> sexuality, so they need condoms and a pill to help save themselves. Like that's how it comes across sometimes. You yeah. know, you have people on the ground who are really doing this work and who are really trying to change that narrative. But if we keep letting this stuff get out in the media the way it is getting out, right? It's I, I don't feel like it's helping to solve a problem. It's just. It's kind of sensational a little bit. Every time the new reports come out from the CDC, you see the same story. Right. Over and again. And it's funny that you say that because I think what can happen, just like any just like any disease that you try and sensationalize, I think especially with Atlanta, because I think like this is the one that gets brought up so much, is that you can start feeling defeated. You know what I'm saying? Like you start yes. feeling like, oh yeah. wow. I guess because I do know people who are like, I guess when it's my time, it's going to be my time, you know, like Mm -hmm. rather than taking a proactive approach or like 
this ain't this this is not what defines me or what what have you yeah. it becomes this it's so big what can I possibly do about it? Or like, it's yeah. so big. Now I'm scared to even have sex or engage yeah. or whatever, whatever, because the per- basically when you put out an article like this, you basically saying that every single person in Atlanta, especially with that prep article that just came out, like every person in Atlanta has HIV. So like what, yeah. what, what do you really, what, what, do, what are we trying to get at here? Because it's not empowering, yeah. you know? It's not. It's not that. That it's just not empowering you to go out and take action. It really doesn't. And you can't get a defeated attitude like, "Well, well damn!" Like, no matter what, I I'm still gonna catch. Like, right. Like, so right. It, it just when you frame it that way. Yeah. Yes, people are gonna. You have some people who are like, "Oh well, it seems like <laughs> it seems like if I get it, I get it, and I just right. have to take care of it then." And that's not the way you want people to really think about HIV because now how we think about it, we think about it, yes, like it's like a chronic disease. Like no, you remember when right. HIV first came on the scene through the eighties and the early nineties before we had the powerful medications that we have, HIV was death sentence, right? And so you had that fear of, oh, if I catch it, like, oh, I'm, I'm more than likely going to die from this. However, because of these powerful medications and more education and trying to change the way we think about it, is now more so of a chronic disease that people can um, live through and live with and live healthy with and have healthy sexual lives That's with, right. right? So uh, it's also stigmatized. Like, it's also a little stigmatizing people who have HIV because right. they now treat them as though they're, like, these social pariahs. Right. Like, oh, stay away from them. I try to avoid them. Take this pill just in case you come across them. Because if you have HIV, you can still have sex. You can have a healthy sex, um, healthy sex life. Right? You can still have kids because of the advancements that we have, Right. right? And so if we frame that and then we really talk about it in a more empowering way, saying, yes, if you do feel that you are at high risk, if you are a person who has unprotected sex occasionally with partners or, you know, different partners, however you're choosing, this may be an option for you, mm-hmm. right? If you are in a relationship with a person and you're not sure of their HIV status, this is a tool that can actually help prevent you from getting HIV. It shouldn't be like, oh, you shouldn't be with that person having unprotected sex anyway. Like, so just go get on this pill. No, you just got to frame the, the narrative differently. You have to frame the message differently. So people look at it as though, hey, this is a drug that I can take to really mm-hmm. add to what I'm already doing. So if I'm already using condoms and I want to add that extra layer of protection, prep is a good option for me. Like you want people to think about it like that, not thinking, oh, well, hell, let me, I'm living in Atlanta. There's <laughs> 5,000 people here with I've HIV. I've seen people who've been like, go I got to get out of here. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I got to move out of Atlanta because y'all, y'all playing games down there. I ain't got time. Like you don't oh, want man. people to think about like, oh, y'all black folk. Like, right. you know, you don't want that to be the message around it. I and so that's really what I had. Because a lot of people are asking me, did I have a problem with PrEP? No. Like, like, of course we don't have a problem with PrEP. Like, you just laid it out, which I think is a very good laying out because I don't, I think, I mean, I'm, I think about these things, but I didn't think about it in the context with all the different layers that you just brought, just brought up. So it makes, it makes sense. But I think when you're in that like bubble where you're just into like, Fix the behavior. Boom, boom, boom. And there, there are simple fixes. Mm-hmm. You start thinking about, yeah, you just, all these, and I, and I, I just came from the, uh, the public health, Amer- the American public health conference. And I realized mm-hmm. some people are not interested in application of science. They just want to tell you like, this is what you got to do. Take this pill, drink this thing, and you're going to be fine. 
rather than yes. how can you access the pill? How can you access the drink? How many times can you do it? Do you have viable living conditions? What is your income? Yes. You know, all of these different aspects that I think you brought up, which thank you for laying it out that way. Cause I think that we often get into that routine and then we start thinking about just, then we start shaming other people. Cause it's like, well, why can't you just yes. take the pill? Why can't you just do X? Why can't you just do that? Yes. Rather than looking at the bigger picture. Like that's what, like that's really what I want to I just really want the conversation around it to just to change. I know mm-hmm. that sounds so simple and it's not so simple. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the conversation, like how we really engage about, like I said, how we engage about HIV, how we engage about sex in yeah. general. Right. Like, so I think that's why we as sexuality professionals, like, I love that sort of thing, sex, sexual health and mm-hmm. sexuality extends a little bit also beyond just being healthy, you know, it has political implications, Come economic on. implications. Come on. It extends to all these fields. So it's, you know, basically when we're looking at sexuality, we need to be just, we need to just think about it more broadly, right? And just really, I think that's what we try to do in this profession to really have these conversations and really try to reach out to different populations. And I think that's, I really think it's important what we're doing because we can't rely on, of course, the journalists, even though I was, a trained journalist in school for journalism. <laughs> we can't rely on them to just get the story straight or know who to go to for the for the right answers, right. right? Even academics, sometimes when we're doing our research, if we're really just looking at it through one lens of developing a medication, of some don't even think about these social determinants of health that are impacting people beyond just popping a pill, right? Because right? if it was just disease, just popping a pill. PrEP came out well, over like 60 years ago, so if it was just even popping a pill, the rates would have just plummeted, right? Right. We would have just seen this mass almost near zero, ideally, right? But we know that there are barriers, so and these barriers exist. So it's just, I just feel like what we do is just so important to underrate it a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. It, no, just, and that's so my... to me, it's just... Yeah, and that's my main investment in this. So I think someone had asked me the other day, like, all right, well, what do you think it's going to take um, to change, you know, HIV and to change the dialogue around this? And, I mean, of course I'm biased. Of course we're biased because we're educators. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, my love for this and why I keep, like, being propelled into this and why I keep going is because of education. Like, I got into this whole field because of HIV education. And I think that what really got me, of course, like I shared my story several times on the podcast, but what got me here was never receiving good, comprehensive, non-judgmental sex ed, period. And then when I finally, you know, when someone finally, someone being my husband, now husband, friend at the time, (laughs) brought to my attention, like, you know, all of the myths that I had learned or, you know, all the things I learned in Catholic school about like condoms not working and like why, you know, why Mm -hmm. people shouldn't use them and all these things. And he was like, uh, there's like AIDS out here. Like, I don't know if you know. And I, and I did not know, like it never crossed my None of that, none of that was in my world. None of that was ever brought Mm -hmm. up to me. Nothing, nothing, just pregnancy. Right. And so once I learned about like HIV and that it was preventable and it's 
you know, learned about all these things. I was just on a mission to make sure like everybody knew about HIV. Everybody knew how it was spread. You know, everybody knew how to put on the yeah. condom, which a lot of people don't. Um, and just making sure that people had the tools. And that's honestly what I feel is the first step. Of course, like we have the medications, we have all the other things that we talked about that may go into this. But first love, of course, but also first line of fight, I feel, is education. Um, mm -hmm. And I was just looking at part of the article I was reading said that 20% of Georgians thought that they could uh, transmit, that HIV could be transmitted by sharing a drinking glass. Yes. Man, see, it's that kind of stuff that it seems so simple. And it seems but so we, like everyone knows this, but a lot of people don't, and we still have so much work to do. Yes. It's so it's still, yes, it's still a lot of work to do because I even think in addition to those comprehensive ed sex education is great, but I feel like it should still also include the fact that it's okay to have sex. Yes. That's one thing of course. That, I, that I run into, like people are just fearful of sex and have reservations about sex. People have sex because it feels good, don't consensual sex, right? <laughs> yes. So people are having consensual sex because it feels good. People are not just having sex out here to, quote, unquote, procreate and make a baby. No. So it's, I feel like letting people know that it's okay to have sex. It's okay, a consensual sex. I love to say consensual sex. And it's okay to be desired and want to be desired. But at the same time, you do have HIV out here. And this is how you protect yourself from it, right? right. This is how you protect your partner, right? And so we don't even have that sometimes in comprehensive sex education. So we may learn a little bit more other than abstinence, but like let's learn about this pleasure aspect because pleasure has a lot is connected to this HIV epidemic too, right? Right. So right. you're not going to stop people from having, like I tell people all the time, you're not going to stop people from having sex. Right. That's just absurd. You're not going to stop people from having sex. And let's be real, condoms are not natural, Okay. Condoms are not something that is natural to the sex process. We use them as a necessity because we want to keep ourselves safe. So we do understand that I get all the time, people ask me questions all the time. It's like, okay, I don't want to use condoms, right? Right. I don't advise people to forego condoms, but I understand the drive that people have to not want to use condoms because it's just not a natural act for them. It's not a natural because you weren't born with condoms on, right? <laughs> and so... Like, no, I, so I understand the reality of what people are going through. And so people are scared to have these conversations. So people are foregoing the condom because let's be real, you get in a relationship and you're with your partner for a few, you know, a few months these days, not even a year, for a few months. What tends to be the first thing to go in that sexual relationship? Condoms. Condoms. Yeah. Right? And so what happens when you have to make that choice to forego condoms, right? Do you have the efficacy or do you have the, like, are you empowered to ask your partner, hey, let's go get tested. Right. That was what and I was going to say, yeah. And if we going to continue to do this whole condomless thing, how about we go get tested every six months? What will happen in the act of if I was to come up pregnant unexpectedly, if I'm not on birth control, or should I get on birth control? So I know that you probably are out here doing your thing. Should we get on prep? Like, I think having real conversations around sex like that is what is actually right. needed, too. Because, right. like I said, we tell people to use condoms all the time. Like, we tell people to use seatbelts all the time, but everybody don't use seatbelts. Right. 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 And that's just me being real. Like, so, no, 
everybody listening, I am not anti-condom. Please use <laughs> your condom. Please wear your condom because it is a very effective way to not get pregnant, to not get HIV, to not get STDs. But people ask me all the time, it's like, hey, I've been dealing with this crisis for a while. I don't want to wear condoms no more. Now what? What do you tell me now? I can't just continue to be like, well, yeah, use condoms because they're going to take that condom off. And then what? Then they're putting themselves at risk. And so I think these conversations, like those yes, comprehensive sex education, answering those real questions that people have about their relationships and the people that they're dealing with and trying to really help them like navigate this whole sexual world that we're living in. Because we're not going to stop people from having sex. We're, we're not going to stop them from having sex. We're not going to stop right. them from taking off the condoms because People do, like, oh, just let me put the head in, let me put the tip in. I ain't going to slide it in all the way, you know. Like, <laughs> you'd be surprised at the questions that of I course. get, right? Of course. And then people come back later after they've done that act, and it's like, oh, my God, now what What should I do? Mm-hmm. How are people from the beginning to have a conversation before that condom comes off and make the decision then whether or not they feel that they should continue in a condomless relationship or keep it on? Those conversations need to be having before you even get in the bedroom. Right. 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 So, so yeah. So, it's, it's so much. It's like, oh, my God, it just makes my head hurt sometimes so, just thinking about where we are. Right. But I think we are where we are because of the bigger picture. Because we're not having good sex ed. Because where else are you going to learn yes. this information, right? A lot of people's parents can't talk to them, don't want to talk to them, or don't know where to go to get the proper resources. So we're all misguided and all miseducated. You Now you couple that with people just, just like, and I completely agree with you. I was just sharing this literally the other day. We just tell people to do a lot of things. And then we like to pat yeah. ourselves on the back as educators and just say like, oh man, I told these people to go do this thing. First of all, who are you? Second of all, nobody cares what you just said. And third of all, you did not yes. give anybody the skills that they need to be able to go home and do it themselves. It's one thing to be yes. in a space where you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's another thing to be with your partner who may not have the level of education that you have, who has not been exposed to the things that you have been and they're looking at you like, what you mean you want to do what? What you mean you want to wear condoms now what you mean you want to go yes. get tested because they weren't in that same class that you were they're not reading the same articles that you're yes. in so they're seeing it like the way that a lot of people see it as something stigmatizing as something that you know is things that only people who are not in committed relationships do or yeah. single people do mm-hmm. and it could open up a whole can of worms for that person yes. and then that person like you're saying doesn't have the you know the language because it, I feel like this is it is a language it is a skill that you need to be able to yeah. stand and say to that person like this thing is important to me I want to do it and not cower when that person presents doubt and I believe that sometimes when somebody presents doubt if they start questioning like well why do you want to do this now or like where did you get this stuff from or that I feel like a lot of times it's rooted in fear because they don't know they don't know they're look they're going based off of what they think or what they're hearing and they are they're just expressing all of their doubt. Now you do have people who do know and want to manipulate you and all that stuff and that's for another show. But yes, so um when we're thinking about like condoms in the relationship and choosing whether or not 
we should use them or should not use them with partners. A lot of times people use that as a, oh, you would do this if you trusted me mm. or you would do this if you love me, right? Or, oh, condoms mean that you're cheating, right? Yeah. Or you, you with somebody else, so that's why you want to use condoms. So right. We do have those conversations, especially among our young people. Right. Like I said, like I don't lie to young people. I, I I try not. I try to be open and honest. Like I said, sex does feel good, right? Between two consenting individuals who really do understand the implications of sex, who understand what happens when you do have sex and what can happen after. Right. So I would never lie to them. And sex feels good. And right. sex feels good. Condomless, it does. It, it it you know. I'm not. I wouldn't say it like that, but. <laughs> It is it is a pleasurable experience without condoms. And so when you have people who want to do that, but you have the other partner who is not comfortable in having sex without a condom, who is not yet ready to take that leap, who is not ready to put literally I say put their life in your hands right. because that's what you that's what you're doing when you're having sex without a condom. That's a whole level of trust. You're basically saying, I trust you with my life at this point, right? Because right. what happens here can alter, you know, my life going forward so I can get pregnant unintentionally and then I have to make the decision of whether or not I want to be a parent or how I'm going to go through that or you can, I can get an STD or I can get HIV. So you really are making life-changing decisions when you're choosing not to have condoms in the relationship. But a lot of people don't know how to have that conversation. Yeah, A lot of people don't know to say, hey, I love you or I don't love you, or I don't even know you. But a lot of people are not even, like, empowered to have a conversation and say, hey, let's go get tested. Right. Let's get tested together. Let's share these results with each other. And if we're going to do this and forego the condom, let's continue to get tested, right? Yeah. Let's have some open communication. If you feel like, hey, um, I don't want to do this no more, it's okay, let's put the condom back on yeah. or if you feel like that that person is not um as honest or forthcoming and if you're in a situation where a condom is not negotiable because there is there are situations where people cannot push their partner to use condoms because that could be an abusive situation you know that okay so this is what my partner's doing can I go find prep right can right. I go get those other things that I need people don't are not empowered to have those conversations or even to think that way, right? Because like you said, we're not having that education. We're not having those real conversations around sex and what it means to have healthy relationships and what it means to have healthy sexual partnerships, right? right. right? And so, so yeah, so I think it's like you're right. It is the education piece. It, It really is educating and then really going that step further and educating doctors and healthcare providers too, right? Because you want when people get that strength and get that empowerment to go and advocate on their own behalf and go to the doctor and ask what they need, you need those healthcare providers who can give them or provide them those services. Right. So there needs to be education all around. We need to educate some some of our fellow sex educators a lot of times because (laughs) even we are we have to stay up to date on what we're giving. Right. right. We have to a lot of times check ourselves and check our biases because we are biased too. Right. Right. Absolutely. What we say and what we provide to people. So it's just all of this is just full circle. <laughs> I, I really do feel like it education on all fronts and on all parties really is what is needed. Definitely. Oh, so, yeah. 
So, Dr. Windasha, I know we're about at that. We're almost at that time, but I got a listener question for you. Are you up to it? I think so. I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous. We're here together. All right. So, um, this person says, um, Hey, so I just got tested a few weeks ago and I told the clinician how I don't really like to use condoms, but I do because they're necessary. So I guess she took Mm -hmm. that as an opportunity to mention prep. So I asked about side Mm -hmm. effects. She couldn't even answer me. Mm -hmm. So what are the side effects? So the side effects of prep? Of prep. I got, I'm not, I'm not a medical. I got it in front of me. I got it in front of me. I got you. I got you. So, so yeah, so I guess, but, but there are, there are, I will say there are some side effects that some people do experience with PrEP that's with any medication. So some may experience nausea. Some people say they experience, um, headaches, um, mild, um, I'm not sure of what the other side effects are of PrEP. Like I said, I'm not a medical doctor, so I cannot (laughs) advise what a person would experience, but if her doctor, it sounds like, has was looking like a deer in headlights when it came to her asking about PrEP, she should definitely find another clinician or another <laughs> provider who is more knowledgeable and can advise her on that. I right, because you're just out here ignoring people? <laughs> yes, I would not want her to leave that that visit and thinking like oh well well i try once and right and how are you going to propose it but not be able to talk the person fully through it like oh, yeah like you have to be like you have to be knowledgeable find a doctor who is knowledgeable and who really does know their stuff about prep because not every doctor like i said has come across patients who want prep or who need prep so they right. have no frame of reference for it but yes, I would suggest she goes and um, yes, find a clinician that can really tell her Agreed. what those side effects are. But also, on this, you can look up the Truvada I got um, it. drug site. I got it right in front of you. Can, yes, so they said the common side effects on the website, the Truvada website: headaches, abdominal pain. So, like I said, nausea and weight loss. Upset so the stomach. Seven percent of people. Um, the abdominal pain, 4%. Uh, so, yeah, so, um, so yeah, 4% of the um, patients <laughs> who are, who actually, I guess, went through the Truvada, or what, which is known as PrEP trial, did experience um, that nausea, abdominal pain, and then right. the weight loss on 3%. So, it seems like the side effects are pretty mild, even though with any medication, um, according to the website, there are, you can have some serious side effects. That's just with anything. Some people may have a bad reaction. Um, they did state that um, in very rare cases, you can have severe liver problems or severe kidney problems or too much what lactic acid in your body. But um, like I said, I'm, I'm not a medical doctor. However, <laughs> it is important to go find a doctor who is experienced in prescribing PrEP yeah. and who is experienced with patients who are on PrEP and taking, actively taking care of patients who are on PrEP. Definitely. They will be the best ones to advise you on your options, especially since you've addressed your doctor and said, hey, I don't like using condoms. I use them because I have to, <laughs> but um, I want to go on PrEP. But I will say, I will say this, like I said before, um, PrEP is not a free reign to stop using condoms. It's true. It is not 
it, that is not what it is for. It is not um, meant to give people just free reign and say, okay, I'm just going to go condomless. Right. All right. You still need to use condoms, especially when it comes to other STDs and um, unattended pregnancy to prevent pregnancy. So, yes. Um, though, unless the person, I don't know if the person is um, a female, male, man, woman, queer gender but if you have a penis and you got a vasectomy or if you have a vagina and you got your tubes tied or you got those clipped then of course pregnancy may not be an issue um for you but definitely 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 to prevent stds um you still want to use condoms absolutely Absolutely. And I yeah. think that, I mean, I don't think that um, this, I think this question is very normal and I like how the person mm-hmm. kept it all the way real. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think that, again, assessing, having a person who knows what they're talking about, assess your risk um, that and that can really understand and give you the full range of information um, around PrEP is definitely going to be uh, necessary if you choose to go that route. Um, I think that something that we just need to keep in mind overall is that sexually active people need to get tested with every new partner at least every 6 to 12 months because I think sometimes we miss that. I don't care if you're married, you've been booed up Mm -hmm. for the last 25 years, you still need to go get tested. You are having sex, you need to go get tested. And it's not anything around shaming or like, oh, I think my partner's cheating on me. It's literally a routine exam. Every year you go get a physical. It's not because you think something's wrong. It's because we're just making sure that everything is okay. And so it's about reframing. Yeah, it's about reframing. Like, I'm just doing this for my overall health. I just want to know that everything is A-okay. And if you had sex last night, you cannot find out if you have anything today. You need a few weeks to go by. Because I get that no, question all the time, that. like, all right, I just did last night. Can I go? And it's like, no, no, you can't. You're not going to find any yes. help there. So, yeah, give yourself a few weeks. Go get tested. And, again, like we've said, said on past episodes, getting tested is as simple as a finger prick for HIV. And you yes. get your, you know, you get your results in 20 minutes. And as simple as peeing in the cup for gonorrhea and chlamydia. It's not too painful. It's not outrageous. As a person who hates needles, I survive every single time. Just go ahead and do it. And if you're scared, bring a friend with you. Bring somebody that you know cares about you and is going to be there with you. But... And there are a lot of, and I would like to add, there are a lot of places that do free HIV and STD testing. So if you're a person who does not have insurance or you don't have a a doctor or healthcare provider that you see regularly, there are places in most cities that will will test you for free, right? Yes. That will give free HIV STD testing. In my stance, I feel like HIV testing should be free anyway. Like, (laughs) I don't feel like a person should have to pay for an HIV STD test. But I know... You're just trying to start the whole revolution here, huh? But there are places where you can get that done for free and get it done confidentially. Because I know some people, um, that is something that's brought up a lot, that people are scared to go get tested because they don't want people to see them. And they think that somebody's going to tell their business. So, oh, I saw such and such, go to the health department or go to this agency and get 
you know, that typically gives a T-test, like, oh, what are they doing? Yeah. Right? So these places are confidential, they're professional, and they can get you in and out. And so you know where you stand. Right. Especially like for this person who, who is, and they're saying, hey, I don't, I don't like to use condoms. That is very, if you're going to make that decision to not use condoms, I'm going to say I tell people to use them, but like I said, I understand that condoms are not a natural thing. Um, and we use them out of necessity because to keep ourselves safe. But I know that some people are just not going to want to use them for their very reasons. But if you're a person who is making that choice and making that decision, you really have to be on top of your health. You have to advocate for yourself. You have to be in that doctor's office. If you're going to, I would say, if you're going to have sex unprotected, you should not be going to get tested every six to 12 months. You could possibly need to go get tested every three. Yeah. Right. To make sure you stay on top of that, you know, status, especially if you're having sex with multiple partners. And it, it's okay if you, if you're, if you're a person who likes to explore your sexuality and you have multiple partners, that's fine. No judgment here, but you need to make sure that you're out, you're getting tested and also talking to your partners about your status, about their status if possible, right? And in this person's case, if you, if prep is something that you um, really want, you should go be able to go to the doctor and advocate for that. So, yes, so for those who want to make that decision to forego the condoms, definitely, definitely, definitely increase your schedule of, of testing. Absolutely. And make sure that you're using all the precautions necessary. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, Dr. Wendasha, we had a great time with you. I appreciate you coming on so last minute and sharing all of your information, all of your knowledge. Where can we find you? How can we support your work? And do you have any upcoming anythings that you would like us to attend? So, right now, um, I, of course, am on Instagram at Dr. W.J. Hall, and that's D-R-W-J Hall. Um, I do have a website that I'm currently in the process of trying to rebrand, um, and that's um, WendashaJenkins.com, so it has my maiden name on there because I had that before I got married. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yes, so um, WendashaJenkins.com has a little bit of my blogging that I've done in the past and a little bit about me. Um, So that's really where I I am right now. So, yes, follow me. I'm always posting, always putting stuff up. And informally, I tell people, hey, if you want to book me or if you want to reach out and ask questions, you can slide in my DMs if you want to on Instagram, or you can email me at drwjhall at gmail.com. So it's the same as my um, my Instagram handle, so the drwjhall at gmail.com. So if you have any questions or want to reach out, um, I'm pretty accessible. Um, I'm not one of those people who are kind of stiff and stuck up and stuffy. No, I'm I'm pretty good about responding. Awesome. Don't slide in my DMs with foolishness. Now. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you want some if you you know if, you, if it's real legit, yes. Don't. But I don't want to see a whole bunch of hey, how you doing? Type <laughs> messages right now. <laughs> so. But yeah, oh, that's gosh. where you can find me. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so our last question of the night 
is how do you build your badge esteem? So I created badge esteem as a concept whereby if folks, I feel that if folks increase their esteem, their self-esteem in their vaginas and vulvas, that it will lead to a healthier um, and more fulfilling sex life. So how do you build your badge esteem? Honestly, I really have built my vaccine by being open and honest from the beginning with whoever I have sex with. Okay. So, so like, literally, like, I am one of those people where I say up front, right, what I want, yes. what I like, and what I don't like. <laughs> um, I'm real big on, like, I'm real big on communication. And I, I try to practice what I preach, like, every single person um, since I've been doing this work and really going for every single person that I've had sex with, I've asked them to go get tested and I've went to the clinic with them. Mm-hmm. So I try to practice what I preach, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, we about to get down and dirty and I like it this way or that way. So how do we get tested first? And mm-hmm. really, and then in the bedroom, I'm like, hey, touch me like this. I like that. So yes. like really just being, just being really upfront and not to, I don't want to say blunt about it, but basically really just blunt and straight. Like, Hey, this is what I like. I love and it. So, and it's, so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's taking some practice, you know, because it's, it's, it's odd. Um, but yeah, I feel like just kind of like doing it and then seeing the reactions that I've gotten. I'm like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> People accept this. And if you don't like how I'm coming at it, if you don't, like what I'm putting down, then you're probably not the partner for me. Yeah. So I wish you well on whoever is next, right? <laughs> so, so yeah, that's how I would say how I how I, feel with my I love it. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Dr. Mandasha. Thank you no so much problem. for your time. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for sharing all of those great pieces of information with us. And I cannot wait to see what you do. Okay, ladies, now let's get Thank you. Thank you. Okay, ladies, now all right. Let's get information. You know you that bitch when you got all this conversation. Always stay gracious. Best revenge is your paper. Okay, ladies, now let's get information. I say, okay, ladies, now let's get information. Okay, ladies, now let's get information.